previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. Due to popular belief, no, Roxy is not Courtney. That's been floating around there. Roxy, do you even know who Courtney is? Isn't she that stripper? <laughs> yes. <she laughs> Can I even well, say that? I think there's politically correct Hello. ways of saying that now. She's uh, a big, uh, professional, exotic dancer bringing joy to people's lives okay all right anyway so and that's all we have today for the loyal little podcast because we're officially being shut down welcome back to what i'm calling this historic episode of the loyal littles podcast we'll get back to that in a second welcome roxy back to the podcast hi it's good to be here we also have a new friend joining us for the first time but we're going to wait on that for that introduction in a second first we have some shout outs apologies errors omissions i call them shout out eric trainer for being much smarter than me you saw the writing on the wall in yesterday's podcast. I love that email about getting the job in customer service. He's an, he's an out-of-work actor. He jumped on the ship and got work as a customer service representative, and I started a podcast. So good for you. Much smarter than I was. Shout out John Miller, who was the first correct emailer, Roxy, to guess what Roxy does. So yeah. we, record, we outed Roxy as, yes, one of the Radio City Rockettes. So congratulations again, Roxy, on a great performance. Thank you. How much fun was that? Oh, it was so much fun. And the weather was perfect. It wasn't too cold. It was awesome. Oh, that's great to hear. My apologies to Matt Patricia for jinxing him. Literally hours after the last podcast aired, when I said, how can this guy still be coaching in Detroit? He got fired. So my apologies, Matt Patricia, for jinxing you there. Fun fact, also, during the Joe Arrow interview, I referenced the South Park movie and how good I thought the songs were. I completely forgot. Blame Canada, which was written by Trey Parker and Mark Shaman, was actually nominated for a 1999 Oscar for Best Original Song. Do you remember that, Roxy? Did you? I don't think you ever saw that movie, actually. I didn't. I, I don't know about this. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. And uh, I remember because they got Robin Williams to perform it because, as the tradition goes, all the best nominees are performed on the show and they were worried about how they were going to do it because there's let's just say some questionable language in the lyrics <laughs> and i remember that episode it was it was kind of fun to uh to see that performance and how they pulled that off it didn't win unfortunately but it was just kind of fun to see that they were actually even nominated for that song now History is about to be made as I bring in our good friend from New York City, who's actually in Vermont right now, Mr. Roderick Hill. What's up, guys? How's hey. Going? Did you think we were ever going to get you in here? I, I, I asked him, I said, hold back for a second because I want to have a special introduction for you. And uh, No, and it's, I started a, it's time. I had time to get a <laughs> cup of coffee and go to the bathroom. It was great. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> now, I say history because when I asked you to come on, just in passing, I said, well, let's start here. Do you even know who Tony Kornheiser is? And what, what did you say to me? I said, yeah, of course. And I, I didn't I say I said I was like, dude, he's a legend, of course. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> you were like, I freaking love that guy. And he's a yeah. legend. And I was like, uh, wait a minute. Wait. So then I said, are you a loyal little? And you were like, a loyal what? And I was like, a loyal little. So personally think this is a little interesting. So Rod, if you don't mind, take a second quick. How do you know Tony Kornheiser? Where do you listen to him? Where do you like, what's your history with Tony Kornheiser? I guess my history with Kornheiser start. I mean, mostly it's through PTI, right? Yeah. But also from uh, he, he was a writer for the Washington Post. Yeah, I used to read his articles in the Washington Post. Um, so I only I knew him from that, and I knew he had a radio show in DC, but I never listened to it. I worked in DC a couple times as an actor, and I uh, would like hear it on the radio when I was in my car and stuff like that when I was going around and stuff like that. But I didn't really listen listen to the radio show as much. I'm mostly from PTI and like his his articles. Well, we are about to change your world Amazing. because I think part of this episode is going to be, I wish I, I wish you were here in person so I could pull out the sword and have you get down on one knee and I'll christen thee, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Honestly, obviously I've off air kind of been explaining this to him. Rot, you, you are definitely going to have to start checking that out. I will. Definitely. It is amazing. The, the show is great. Now I will, it's a little different now because of COVID and everything. It used to be a full on have like three or four guests in the studio with him. And now because he's like 
wisely just hunkering down in his home. They're literally doing it from his kitchen table. So his son is basically the only one there with him and they have call-in guests and things like that. So it's a little different flavor, but it's still great, I think. And uh, so you'll have to definitely check that out. I was, I was floored when you told me that you didn't know what a loyal little was, but yet you were like, Oh my God, I love that guy. So it's just, it's just fun to see the different kinds of people that, enjoy his stuff. And like you said, you were even reading his articles. I have all his books. Rod, I'll tell you the story when I met him one day and basically stalked him, as Roxy puts it, uh, and, feel, and got him to sign all like my books. I like you shouldn't tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someday. It, it, it turned out It okay. has a happy ending. It has a happy ending. Oh, good. Okay. It doesn't well, end with the authorities involved. Okay. No, <laughs> I know. I actually will tell I will tell you a Kornheiser story. Uh, when I was in DC the last time doing a play, I you know he talks about like theater and some stuff things he in, sure in does, his yeah. articles stuff like that. He's very like into the arts and stuff. So I had the marketing department invite him to the show. I was like, you guys got to reach out and make sure he comes. And I heard he came. They didn't tell me when he's come. I was like, you, I was like, what? He came and you? I, but I heard he came to see the show, which I was oh my god super That's psyched so cool. about. But I didn't get I didn't get to meet him. I was like, that whole point was so I could meet him afterwards. <laughs> Oh my God. So you have no idea. So that's kind of like my story. He was in New York doing the show. And one night he said, I'm going to be going to see Come From Away. Shout out, Come From Away. I'm going to check you out tonight. So I literally went and stood in front of the theater. We have a couple mutual friends in that show. So I was going to try to get him backstage. And I think we were successful in doing that, but I was working that night too. So, you know, I couldn't go see the show or anything, but yeah, he is a very, very avid supporter. And that's one of the things I love about him is he will always reference it. Rod, seriously, if you get hooked onto the show, which I'm sure you will, you will have to go back like four years and catch up. Wow. <laughs> he went yeah. he he went through a Hamilton phase like none other. And yeah. one of <laughs> one of the things he would do was he was trying to get tickets to Hamilton. And actually, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Ian Khan's wife who got the tickets for him and Ian to go see the show. But Chris Jackson hooked him up, brought him backstage. Actually, when we were coming to uh, play a game in Central Park, Josh Agara, our good friend, actually said, hey, did you hear Tony's Chris got a shout out on PTI? And we were all like, that would be a dream come true, right? So, you know, how great would it be to get a shout out on PTI? And uh, so, yeah, when he finally got to see the show. Speaking of Josh, Rod, have you seen what he's up to lately? No. He's on one of our favorite TV shows now. He's he's got a regular spot on FBI, which is called FBI. Now there's there's two FBIs. There's FBI and then FBI Most Wanted. He's been a a regular this season on FBI. And the only reason I bring it up is because Roxy and I kind of have crushes on the stars. Oh, they're so great. And he he actually is macking up with the. He's sort of getting in the middle of it. I'm like. I don't know if I like you or if I don't like you. <laughs> oh, man, that's I, just like Josh. <laughs> I'm just jealous. Cause <laughs> I'm sitting here like, it's always fun just to see that, you know, when you just turn on the TV, we had no idea he was doing it because Josh, sometimes he'll promote his stuff, but a lot of times he doesn't. It's just yeah. out of randomly, you know, all of a sudden you just turn on something and, oh, there's You're Josh. like, wait, well, I know him. Well, speaking of, <laughs> about five or six weeks ago, Roxy and I are sitting here watching, I think it was Monday Night Football or something, and all of a sudden, I look at the TV screen, and there's Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, can you expand on that a little bit? Now, maybe we should back up a little bit, Rod, because I want the, the audience to get to know you a little bit, too. You are from New York. You are, one of the reasons you're on, full disclosure, Rod, is because today's guest, <laughs> like, what, two or three we've had on already, Roxy, are... Yep diehard Red Sox fans. I swear to you, ever, all you listeners out there, that was not purposely done in any way, shape, or form. It was pure coincidental. And I promised some of the Yankee fans, I have to get a diehard Yankee fan. And I don't know of a bigger diehard Yankee fan than Rod. So that's, that's, right. part of the, that's part of the reason <laughs> you're here, to try to balance us out a little bit, because I don't want any of the Red Sox bias. But anyway, Too going late. back... <laughs> yeah, right. Going back uh, real quick... I, Rod, this was hilarious. So tell them who you are, basically. So I, I'm an actor, and you know, you and I have played on like some softball teams for the Broadway Show League for years together, and been teammates. And um, yeah, but I've been, I'm an actor. I've been on Broadway and all sorts of things. But I also one of the things I do is commercials. And obviously, there a lot of production has been shut down because of COVID. And but I was very lucky. I got this. Um, we have a very good friend in common named Joe Kernute. Uh, who is also a big uh, Red Sox fan. I'm sure yes, he'll have he him on, just like all the other Red Sox fans <laughs> you have on the show. He's a big, and he's also a big Patriots fan. 
so I auditioned for this commercial in like June. <laughs> I then I uh, about three weeks later I texted Joe and I said, "You ready for some irony?" And he goes, <laughs> "Oh man, you got that commercial, didn't you?" And it was a subway commercial with Bill Belichick. So, <laughs> so um, for all you listeners. The man speaking right now is the one that Bill Belichick tears his sleeves off and he's standing there just the, – the facial expression was flawless. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I could only look at my guns and that, so I, <laughs> I've never even seen my face. So Well, now I know there's a whole theme with Bill Belichick subway commercials, but that was the first one, wasn't it? That's the first that was one the I first heard. one, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was the first one. Yeah, they did one other one. They did one – I think they shot two at the time. And, oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Now, so we have to, I'm sure the listeners want to know, yeah. what was it like? I mean, just go into that real quick. Look, I mean, I'm not sure I should say this, just given that, like, I'm in this commercial with him, but, like, I'm oh, okay. I'm, I'm not a Patriots fan, let's just say. Let's just say I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Patriots. My two, like, the two football teams that I, I grew up in Indianapolis, right? So I'm a Colts yep. fan. And yep. The Patriots broke my heart for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a Giants fan who do, do pretty well against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So oh, yeah. just, That's all they got. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. That's all we've got right now. <laughs> hey, anyway, take it though. Two rings, So right? I'm not like, yeah. you know, I, I am the first one to admittedly be like, oh, Bill Belichick. Like, you know, <laughs> he could not have been a warmer, friendlier, nicer guy. I was, oh. I was absolutely blown away. And it really, I was like, oh, man. I get it. Like, you know, sometimes the media just asks some stupid questions and he has no time for it. But man, I talked to him, like asked him questions. He was like, you know, outgoing and like, it was great. It was really hard because he, I kept making him laugh in the thing. He had a hard time keeping a straight face because I kept making (laughs) him laugh in the commercial. But, oh, that's great. But he was great. He was amazing. That's that's so great to hear because as, as we said, and I've referenced, I I would, love nothing more than to have gotten on out of that thing and just ragged on the guy. I mean, you know, and just been like, Oh, what a, but, but I couldn't, I, there was yeah. literally nothing I could be, you know, they got, they went out because all these, you know, people showed up cause they found out we were shooting in this town and they production company went out and bought 50 footballs and he signed 50 footballs and gave them away to the kids that were on the town green. There. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That's he's a good so dude. nice. Yeah. Oh, don't you hate that, Rod? I know. It's the worst. <laughs> when you want to hate someone or think they're a terrible person, they just turn out to be a nice guy. Well, that's really yeah. nice to hear. Next thing you're going to tell me is Dustin Pedroia is cool. Actually, <laughs> Roxy and I have gotten to meet him because we got to sing the national anthem at Yeah, we Fenway have a picture Park. with him. Oh, wow. A picture with him and, uh, and Brock Holt, who we sadly miss now. Chuck so, uh, cropped we... me out of the uh, out of the picture with Pedroia, so I cropped him out of the picture. No, with wait. Brock I Holt. think you cropped me out of the picture first, Roxy. If I okay, remember correctly. Either way. So, I mean, we isn't isn't, isn't, out. isn't Dustin Pedroia so short he cropped himself out? Hey. <laughs> hey. He's like my height. He's like five six. I told you, everyone. He's a diehard Yankee fan. So, <laughs> so Rod, we actually had some things we actually wanted to get to, but one thing I did want to reference in the opening segment before we get to our guests, because people want to meet the littles that's what they're here for and we have a a great guest coming up over the past weekend sarah fuller did you hear about this ron okay yeah she was on the soccer team vanderbilt picked her up to be the kicker and i was gained national interest as it should roxy did you happen to see any of that um i saw replay of it and you know i'm so proud of how far women have come you know we could do anything and she is another example of that. We can do anything. You set your mind to something, go out and get it. Yeah, and that's basically, they had a really nice interview with her after the game. They said she was interviewed at halftime too. I didn't get to quite see that. But oh yeah, I didn't I, see that one either. I saw the I was just, the game one, yeah. Yeah, I was just hoping, at one point I thought to myself, I was scared to death because you know the whole first half, she, and I thought, this is going to count, right? Regardless, it's not her fault. The team's terrible, you right. know? And then I realized, right. Oh, that's right. She gets to kick off at least in the second half. So that's good. At least she got on the field. Cause I didn't know if it was one of those Rudy situations where you have to be in one play at least to actually count count. Yeah. But I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, the fact that she was on the team dressed up on the sidelines and everything like that. So her name's on the out. roster. It counts. Exactly. Yep. So quick shout out to you, Sarah Fuller. Nice job. Yes. And, do any of you know, I didn't think to look, is she going to continue going forward or was this a one-time thing? Well, their coach got fired. Uh, oh. The, I think the, co- oh, the head coach got fired, I think. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that's up, that. That's up to whoever takes over, I think. Yeah, right, I guess so. Right. Oh, we'll see what happens. Well, Rod, I can't thank you enough for joining us. You're going to be able to stick around, right? Yeah. 
Okay, well, all right, because what our listeners really came here is not to listen to you and me, unfortunately. That's so weird, but... (laughs) (laughs) What they came here is to meet the Littles, and we'll do that as soon as we come back. Played in by Sarah Glassman. This is called Christmas Eve Love Under the Tree. If you want to get in touch with Sarah, she can be reached on Instagram at Sarah Glassman Music. That's S A R A H G L A S S M A N Music. Or her Twitter handle is at Sarah Glassman. Or you can find all her stuff at SarahGlassmanMusic.com. And as always, we'll play the full song at the end of the podcast. It is now time, our favorite segment, to meet the Littles. And today we have a very, very special guest, the recently self-anointed amateur cartoonist, Eric Lonergan. How's it going? Hello, hello. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Say hi, Roxy. Hi. Hello, Roxy. Roxy, I got before we begin, I gotta ask. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what is in this for you? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, it was he needed a hobby, you know, with all of the quarantining and stuff. And I he's been talking about doing a podcast for years. And I said, why don't you just do it? You know, you need something to do. And I'm just, you know, trying to be as supportive as possible. And we came up with this concept of littles and tinies and I liked the idea of, well, this is what I go through. I wonder what other tinies go through dealing with their littles, you know, that kind of thing. So it kind of just went from there and it was really just giving him a hobby. <laughs> it's, it's very supportive Thank of you. you. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it also gives me something to do. Okay. I feel like I know enough about Tony, enough about the, his podcasts and PTI and all of that, where I, I could have something to say depending on the conversation. (laughs) So Eric, I wanted to ask you about your Friday Five that you turned in, what was it, about three weeks ago? Uh, The one with the fake Zoom meeting that I turned in was about three weeks ago, yes. There was a Friday Five uh, in early March that was the first cartoon that I did. Oh, my goodness. And that turned out to be wildly popular more so than I expected. And it was basically just a one panel page where the the gist was Tony was reading the Friday Five as if it was a live read. And the punchline actually had uh, had Wobon and Claire and a little punchline at the end. And that turned out to be very, very popular, much more so than I expected. I lots of rare reviews on the comment board, which I don't take compliments well. So... <laughs> It was very complimentary and it was very sweet for everyone to give me these compliments. But Claire went over and above and she took the little cartoon that I made of her and made it her Facebook profile image for quite some time. Got passed around to the show. I know, you know, some of the bigs saw it as well. So yeah, that was the first one that I did back in March. When Claire needed a break, she basically started assigning folks in the Friday Five. And she actually decided that she was going to save me for last was how she put it, because she learned her lesson, whatever that meant. And I think, I think that was her way of saying that, that, was, that I was going to be some grand finale. Now, since then, Claire's changed her mind and she's assigned other folks after me. But knowing that I had three months to prepare for this following one, I wanted to do something even bolder and wilder. And that's when I came up with you know, we're all in these areas where everyone's on Zoom and Skype and doing these conversations. And I wondered about having the, the bigs in such a conversation. And that was the gist of the cartoon that happened a couple of weeks ago in the Friday Five. And the gist of that was Tony talking to Tori, talking to Michael and talking to Saliza and, and Super G in a Zoom conversation. I'll tell you the mechanics of that cartoon was a lot easier to do than probably, I. I deserve credit for it because basically I could draw just one cartoon of somebody in a screen and then just cut and paste some word blooms around them because that's how Zoom works. Essentially, you have the same image over and over and over. You're just staring at it. So the cartoon mechanics 
was fairly easy to do. It probably took me about a week and a half to draw, but it took me about three weeks to write. Well, I reached out to you as soon as that thing came out because I had already reached out to Claire about starting the podcast. And I think I had anointed her the advisor of the Loyal Littles podcast. I saw your thing come out literally like that week and I reached straight out to you because honestly, I was reaching out to you because I wanted you to do the cover art for our logo, everything. Because I was like, this guy is a genius. The cover art that you're using now, is that the, you mean for the podcast, The Little Monkey and the Banana? Is that clip art or how, how did you come across that? I Googled monkey, I think, because I came up with that idea to, we should have like Reginald as our logo. I was also trying to be very careful not to, because at that point I hadn't, I don't know if I'd heard back from Nigel about, you know, legality stuff, sure. you know, so I didn't know what, to, well, that photo came up and it's a freaking monkey giving us the TK salute. I was like, <laughs> like a calling, you know, even, even Roxy was sitting there like, are you kidding me? This is like perfect. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. No, seriously. I was like, I, I said to Claire, I go, this is like a sign. I was like, I have to reach out to him. And, you know, your your message was very polite and very nice. And you just, you know, you were like, I didn't, I, I was shocked actually, because I thought this was your full-time gig. Yeah. I, it has to be. I was like, he's so good. I'm like, this has to be his full-time gig. I was, my biggest fear was that I wasn't going to be able to afford you because I was willing to put a little bit of money into this. But, you know, I have, we, like I said, we have no budget for this. There's obviously no sponsors yet or anything like that. I just wanted to give someone else some work, another artist, because we're artists. And uh, you were like, uh, sorry, I, I don't really have time right now. And I just do this as a hobby. And I was like floored. So if you don't mind, can we get to the next step? What do you do? What, what do you do in real life? Uh, in real life, I am an accountant for a restaurant chain, uh, a very small one that's up here in the Northeast. Uh, and I'm not going to name it. We could, I'll save the free advertising. <laughs> and, you know, COVID being what it is, it, it might not even be around in three months. Who knows? Sure. So I work counting. I do finance for a small restaurant chain up in the Northeast. And that's my day job. And it's basically at home about 12 hours a day at this point. The weekend, the few hours that I get, that's when I'm sitting at literally just turning my chair around from the one desk to another to go onto the drafting table to do the little silly stuff that I like to draw. That's so great. <laughs> I also love how your dad keeps getting tied into this show. Roxy's dad oh. is an accountant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is. I, I, I don't know if you heard the episode, but Claire and him grew up in the same town, which I think is hilarious. Well, actually, um, I spent two years in Rosendale, so I very much enjoyed that segment. No way. Yes. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, Rosendale is, uh, it was the first place I lived without family, the first place I had roommates, which was a, a fun experience in wow. my 20s. Uh, and I lived there for a couple of years and then decided, yeah, I, I don't want roommates anymore. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so you went to school for accounting? No, uh, not really. I didn't do anything after high school. I, I was working in a mom and pop pharmacy and I had the, the most delightful boss in the world and his wife worked for a bank up here and she knew of a position that was available. I took that position and I worked for that bank for 17 years or so, you know, from my very early 20s until, I, you know, early 30s. Actually, that was 12 years. I'm doing my math wrong. So I work, I work for the bank and then the girlfriend at the time realized I was so miserable and convinced me to leave the bank. It had gone through like five mergers. The job that I had in downtown Boston turned out to be in the suburbs. I was walking to work instead of enjoying the city. I just was having a horrible time. She convinced me to leave. I took a temp job. The temp job landed me at another restaurant chain. They got bought out by a very, very large restaurant chain two years ago. But in the meantime, I spent 17 years at that restaurant chain learning and loving accounting work and just figuring out finances. People go into restaurants. I go into a restaurant, I look at a menu and I start to look at what I'm ordering and I'm trying to calculate in my head already, what is the food cost? What's the labor cost? And what what is the best value that I'm going to have here? I, it's a very strange way of looking at menus, but that tends to be what I, just how my brain works at this point. So the restaurant chain from a couple of years ago, I got laid off because they got bought out by a very, very large one that is located out of St. Louis. You guys can probably figure out that one. 
after getting laid off, I basically went looking for work at it. And I wanted to work for a place that was local and I wouldn't run into as many issues with national change. And this, where I'm at now is a perfect spot for me. It's just, I love the back of the office hospitality. It, the joke is, is that I'm the back of the house of the back of the house. And I'm, I'm at, not management, but I'm like the guy who might be telling the chef, hey, maybe you don't put the extra <laughs> slice of tomato because that actually works out to like seven cents extra. And so you multiply that times a thousand burgers that we sell. That's a lot of money that we're losing on that. That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm trying to tie this in with all your cartoons. What do you, what do you officially call them? Are they? What, the artwork, you mean? Yeah. I, I actually refrain from the word artist. It It just... I don't know why I just, because I am self-taught, because I never went to school. I, I learned, I used to go and visit my grandmother when I was grade school as Sunday, you know, after church, still in the, the, the green suit my mother sewed for me. And I'd sit out there with chalk on the sidewalk. And that's basically where I started drawing. And my grandmother and my aunts really encouraged me. And I remember being 10 years old and getting this like 180 marker set from my family and I remember this very specifically my uh, I get choked up thinking about this my aunt said don't let your little sister play with those because those are special artist markers and here I was a 10 year old kid and here was this lovely woman who was basically calling me an artist and, and I just get choked up thinking about that now because she was so great and so encouraging that was really sweet it, it really was and I still remember it to this day I, of those 120 markers that I had from 30 years ago I still have three lying around my house I can't bear to throw them away they're dried out they don't work but I I, will, I keep them with the other markers that I have at my desk that's awesome <laughs> so the, the family was very encouraging to me and most of the stuff I started doing was basically just for family and friends. In high school, I drew comic strips. You know, I had, you know, we had the nerd table and there were guys in the D&D &D and I was in the comic books and comic strips. And, you know, I'm showing them little Abner stuff in the 1950s and they're trying to convince me to, you know, roll seven for power or something like that. This is what was essentially how our lunches went. Right. <laughs> oh, and doodles. Doodles was the word I was trying to come up with. If that's I was wondering what you call it because you're like, here's a doodle or whatever, uh, you know, I couldn't think of. Well, the doodle, I, the, I call it a, a drawing if I'm actually spending time on it and I want to work at it. I never call it art because I just, I'm not the one to question. I'm My biggest, I love Roy Lichtenstein. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, a uh, pop artist from the 60s. It, Andy Warhol is the most famous, but Roy Lichtenstein is the, probably the second most famous. He did uh, Drowning Girl, the pop art where you see, it looks like a comic strip and there's dots. That's Roy Lichtenstein. Okay. And he, his whole thing was, was art questioning art. So he would take a panel of a comic strip uh, that, you know, is two inches by three inches in a comic strip, take that same image, use a, a methodology where he basically blew it up and then repainted it onto canvas. Well, it's essentially the same image, but one is low art and one is high art. And this is how Roy Lichtenstein basically sold his art was like questioning why is this piece of art exceptional and you're going to pay me a million dollars for it whereas this piece of art is not so for this reason i tend to not apply the word art to the stuff that i do i let other people decide whether or not it's art or not i just call them drawings doodles if it takes me two seconds to do stuff like that the latest doodle that came up with that i sent over to michael they read on the air as an email a couple of days back and uh that literally took me two minutes to do. I wouldn't call that a drawing. I wouldn't call that art. That was, that's why I use the word doodle. Well, if I may, I have a document in my presence that is dated the 24th. So I think this would be the latest one. Littles, he even sends me this, we have this release form, what I call the Claire form. And he signs his name and he puts a, a little, I, I don't, I hope I'm not saying insulting by saying doodle of yourself. That's yourself, right? When I am signing something official, but not like, you know, banking or legal or something like that, I will always put a little doodle. I do it on every Christmas card and things like that. It's just a way of making it a little bit more unique. Well, Eric, I'm holding on to this form. I'm not getting rid of it because I'm going to have this when you do become famous for this. And I'm going to be like, I've got an original. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. You don't have an original because I have the original. You have a scanned version of the original. <laughs> Don't worry, I wasn't going to do anything bad with it. No, but, but, oh 
I like that as a, as a conversation point because, for example, I have all of the quote unquote original artwork that ends up on Facebook, but a lot of it is like cut and paste stuff with word balloons like, you know, put on top of it. If someone saw this little pile of artwork that I have sitting over here, they would not be able to make head or tails of it. But the end result, what you might call the original artwork, is actually in a digital form on a social media website. I always like that difference uh, that people were, are talking about this more in the comics about how you can do digital art, but what is actually the art? If you draw on an iPad, there's nothing physical there. I, I started the, this actually led me to another idea, which is a side project I've had mm -hmm. on the back burner for about five or six years that I eventually will get to. And I'm not going to share it here, but it's a Tumblr that I'm working on where the character is basically going through internet withdrawal. But all of the things I'm doing are hand drawings. I'm not using any digital means except for scanning it into the computer. So it's a way of, again, going back to Lichtenstein, it's art questioning art. What it, is what I'm doing the original artwork or is the, what I'm posting on social media the original artwork? Wow, you must love accounting. That's all <laughs> I can think of. I, I mean, I'm... I'm almost speechless. And trust me, that does not happen very often. <laughs> I, I think of people like myself who are professional, you know, I'm a professional musician, actor. I also do some stage managing. Roxy is a professional dancer. But we spent, <laughs> how many years did you spend in, in dance classes, Roxy? Oh, gosh. Like, um, I would say 20, 25 years. I mean, I'm still in classes, you know, but yeah, at least 20 years. So I'm just in awe. I can't thank you enough for, for talking about that. I'm going to have to go back. Forgive me. I didn't remember that March issue or the drawing you made for Claire. I'm going to totally go look that all up. When I saw this re most recent Friday Five, I just, I ran and I showed it to, to Roxy. I was like, you have to see this stuff. And, and she was just like, who is this guy? I, I said then, I said, if we actually start this podcast, he's got to be one of my first guests. I'm I curious. Like, I want to know from a a perspective of somebody who is looking at it. When I look at my own stuff, I, I see all the flaws. And I'm sure when mm -hmm. you, Roxy, Roxy, when you're dancing, you know when you've taken one step. Oh, I am, the, I am more critical on myself than anybody else could ever be on me. You're constantly in your head. You make one little mistake or something is just not feeling the way it's supposed to. And it's like you have to at least as a performer, as a dancer, performer, you have to be able to say, okay, that was a moment in time. We're moving on to the next because this dance isn't stopping. So you can't sit in it for very long in the moment, but you can definitely think about it a lot afterwards. And yeah, I mean, I would say being your own worst critic is definitely something that comes with the job. The thing with the cartoon is that it is static. There is no in the moment. There. It, it is I, I am holding on to it until I release it. And then once it's out there in the world, I everyone has their own say about it. I have those moments before I release it where I just loathe everything about it. Yeah. But I say, well, this is as good as it's going to get. So let me just put <laughs> it out there. All right, Eric, you can stick around for a little bit, right? Yes, I can. All right. We'll be right back and we'll continue to meet the littles. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. It's such a great honor to have Eric Lonergan here with us. Your self, what, what did you call yourself again? Official amateur cartoonist of the Tony Kornheiser show. That's right. I, you know, it was funny. I had my David Eldridge moment. I, my ears perked up when I heard that email. I was in Target shopping the other day, <laughs> listening to the podcast and I had to stop. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Isn't that the best when you're, you're just listening and then you hear, hey, I know that name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't really know you. And that's what we're here for. And that's why I wanted you on the podcast. And now I can say, hey, I kind of know that guy. I want to pick up on something that that you had said uh, when you said that I must love being an accountant. I'm, if I'm following the train of thought there. It, <laughs> you think it's because I have such a passion for the cartooning that the accounting must be even higher. Well, Actually, and I know you're not going to want to hear this, Eric, but I actually was saying a talent, not a passion. You, I'm sure the passion's there as well, but I got to be honest. I, look, I've never seen any of your other work except those, the Tony sketches, but I, 
honestly think this is something you could pursue professionally. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to like, I know you probably, you don't like taking compliments. It's just my opinion. Who am I? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny because do you know about, is it the cartoon college? Cartoonist college. Anyway, I did a show once in White River Junction, Vermont. And right across the street from the theater was a cartoon college of some sort. And it was one of the smallest things I ever saw. Do you know anything about that? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. Was it the Kubert College, perhaps? I really don't know. I'd have to go and Google, get the Google machine out. But it was, you, you know, they had all these portraits of students work in the windows and they were just fabulous. And I'm just saying yours are easily comparable to that. That's all I'm gonna say. Take that information. Do with it what you want. <laughs> and uh, that's what I meant, honestly, by, wow, you must really like accounting because I do. I think this is something you could do professionally, but that's just me. Accounting pays the bills on a more regular basis than being that, an artist does. That is very true. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. I actually came up with a question that is maybe a little silly, but you might get it. So I am not a drawer, doodler, sketcher, whatever you want to call it. But growing up, I always had a thing for pens and pencils and having like the perfect match, if that even makes sense. So I'm curious, do you have a specific type of writing or drawing utensil that is just your go-to piece that you have? I actually do. Years of trial and error with different formats and styles. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bristol board, which is the paper that I use. I use a non-photo blue pencil to do most of my sketches. And then I cover those with a specific brand called Pigma Micron. And they come in different millimeter sizes uh, from you know a quarter of a millimeter to eight millimeters of the pens. And this is what I use for the black outline. And essentially at that point, it's a coloring book. And that's where I get to go and have some real fun. It's my own coloring book, which is just a black and white image. And I get to fill it in with all of the colored pencils, markers, and things that I have sitting around here. And this is where I get really picky about my own stuff, because I know that some of the stuff I use is not really high quality. It's uneven. There are some pencils that have different textures than the markers do. So the end result is what it is. But as I'm doing it, I always wish I could afford the best kind of markers. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I had a feeling that you would have specific things that you like to use. And I do just have to say, I mean, whatever you know, critiques you have for yourself when you're trying to come up with something or you're just in the mode of drawing and there is a natural talent there, which is, you know, not everyone can say they have. So in my eyes, when you say you're not an artist, I think you are an artist. There is an artist inside of you somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think that's so awesome. Thank that you. That's very sweet of you to say. And all I can say is amen. <laughs> Eric, how long have you been listening to Tony and how did you become a little and introduced to him? I, my first memory of Tony was, pardon the interruption, PTI. I would see him at sports bars on TV back when they first started 20 years ago or whatever it is. And then DVRs came out and that was like a big thing for me. Like, oh, this great show I get to see only like once a month when I'm out early from work. I can now record and watch anytime that I want when I come home. You know, I come home and watch the evening news and then I put on PTI as a DVR recording. I am much less of a, a watcher of PTI at this point. Uh, I look for the national sports stories and I look for Tony and Mike's takes on those. But I'm not a day-to-day -day watcher like I was. But that led me into the podcast because I don't know if it was just one day when he was going to be on Monday Night Football or something, but he mentioned his radio show and I went looking for it. And this is the early days of, you know, the, the sales weasels and the internet who with podcast delays, it was hard to find originally, but I eventually landed on it and then started on a regular basis. My earliest show memories is Tony not being there, oddly enough. I remember Tucker Carlson being a guest host several months on end. And I think that was probably the like 2003 era. I, I might have my years wrong, but that was essentially around the time when I started listening to it because 
I love Tony so much from PTI that I started listening to his radio show even before Tony was on it. And then he returned from Monday Night Football and went back in the show. And that's when I totally fell in love because his chemistry, I mean, Tucker is fine, but his Tony's chemistry is clearly different with Gary and with Nigel. It's just much more of an entertaining show. Been listening to that ever since. And that's gotta be what, it's more than a decade now. Yeah, one of my all-time favorite things I wish I could do is I wish I could go back into the files and this will bleed us into the next thing because as you know I'm a Red Sox fan and I know you are a Red Sox fan. So. Do you remember the feeling that you had as a Red Sox fans? Do you remember the feeling that you had in 2004? I remember being at the Boston Museum of Science out with friends on the ALCS game three when they lost like 25 to six or whatever that score was. And I was just so, yeah. so depressed. I was so happy to be out with my friends and not watching baseball that night. Cause I said, well, it's over. They're never going to win four in a row now. It, it's, it's impossible that they can come back from this. So I'm so glad I have wiped my hands clean with baseball. And then two weeks later, of course, my life changed. So Eric, one, one question we came up with, uh, you're not really a jingle writer, right? I'm not a jingle writer. I have no musical talent at all. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Oh my gosh. Just the, the jingle writers, me being a musician, just blow me away. I did a jingle. I've done two jingles. Like the one literally took me like three months. Like I'm not exaggerating. I mean, obviously I didn't do it full time, you know, or anything like that. But from when I had the idea to when I had the final product to send in, it literally was three months. And these guys turned these around in like a day and a half. It's like, it drives me crazy. Yeah, the inspiration that somebody can get and just turn around and come up with a parody version is just remarkable. One more fun <laughs> question. Um, so have you ever made it to Chatter? Yes, I've been to Chatter twice. The first time Tony was not present, there was no show going on. But I was on vacation and just decided to go to Washington and check the place out. But while I was down there, I was encouraged by Claire. This was the first time I was meeting Claire. And I was encouraged to bring an original drawing that I had done a little while earlier than that. And the drawing was Tony coming out of a jack-in-the-box. Because they had promised that when Tony was on hiatus, they were going to do pop-up shows. And while the phrase pop-up kind of stuck in my head. So I drew Tony as a jack-in-the-box, posted that into the Facebook group, and everyone told me, oh, you need to send this into the show and send it to Tony. I said, well, as long as I'm going down there anyway, I'll bring it and drop it off. Claire introduced me to some of the staff and handed it off. So that was the first time. The second time, Tony, this was last, not this year, but the year before, they were doing a March Madness show, a live mm -hmm. evening event. So- yep. I decided to make that trip down and took the Amtrak down there in the morning, took the Amtrak back as soon as the show was over and basically made a day trip out of it. That was great because during the time I was there, I'm looking past Tony, looking into the studio, and I see my Jack in the Box cartoon still there. I thought it would end up in the prize closet and he'd give it away to someone, but he kept it. And that touched me so much. Okay, so there's the proof in the pudding. See, I'm not the only one. Well, Eric, we can't thank you enough for this and coming on and sharing all these stories and your talents, as I'm going to call them. Yes, I said it. Is there anything you want to plug? Any social media you want to? How could we look? Could we look at more of your stuff? Is that possible? I don't or? really have a, a spot at this point. I have projects that I'm working on, but none of them are in the publishing phase yet. So if and when something does, I will be share that on social media. But every once in a while, you'll see a cartoon pop up on Facebook or uh, Instagram or something like that. Eric, we can't thank you enough. And I mean this, and I know Roxy is with me on this. If and when that happens, whatever we can do, we will definitely bring you back on the podcast minimally and get it out there for you because we think you're just uber talented and I'm so thankful. I know you were hesitant about coming on at first and we really appreciate you changing your mind. Who loves talking about themselves? I don't understand those people, but yeah, so that's the only hesitancy. But yeah. uh, we're, we're more than happy to get your stuff out there because I can't tell you the joy that brought to me that day specifically uh, when I saw that Friday Five. It was just absolutely amazing. I know Claire appreciated it. Well, anyway, Eric, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Appreciate being on. All right, we'll take another quick break and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. How great, Roxy, was it having Eric on with us? Oh, it was awesome. It's, again, just another person, another good human being that we get to meet and get to know. And Yeah, it's fun hearing his story, how... Well, you had said something about the question you were hesitant about the mark, your favorite, you had a favorite marker or something growing up. Well, I assumed being interested in art and drawing and things like that, he would have a favorite writing utensil. Now, like I said in the interview, I am not an artist in that way. But growing up, I was very particular about my pens and pencils, especially in school. I would put my name on all of them because if I let someone borrow a pen or pencil, you better believe that I made sure I got it back. I was very protective of my writing utensils. Rod and I are like that with our softball bats. So we understand completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get it. (laughs) So anyway, thank you again. Oh, hey. oh boy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again, Eric, for joining us. That was so great. Now, Rod, we kind of referenced this in the first segment. Now, we know you are, you Giants are your team now, right? Uh, football, yeah. The Giants yeah. are my main team now. Just okay, but you are an Indianapolis football. guy, too. I know you said yeah. you grew up in Indianapolis. Yep. But we also know that you are a diehard Yankees fan. Oh, yeah. Honestly, one of the things I just wanted to get your quick take on was the Hall of Fame ballot came out a few weeks ago. And uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Where do you stand on who who should be in, who should be out, those kind of things? My first thought is, who's Kurt Schilling? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why is he even on this ballot? Uh, and my second thought is... Maybe you should have asked Bill Belichick when you got to meet him. And did the yeah, I should have. I'm sure they're best friends. Yeah. Um, there's only one name that really jumps out to me on here, and that's uh, this guy, Andy Pettit. Uh, quite just, an amazing, so, amazing... Just one. Runner. That's it. Just one? No, I mean, I, look, my, my Hall of Fame, my Hall of Fame, like, I, I mean, I... You and I both play, right? I grew up playing baseball, like, you know, not that we're anywhere on this level, but we both know how even in softball, right, how hard it is to hit the ball sometimes. And that you see all of these big guys get up there who can't just crush the ball and get it to go where they want. I I mean, to me, the steroid thing, like steroids, yeah, might improve your power. But look at if you look at Barry Bonds and how he hit for average and like, I don't know, I just think the steroid guys got to be in. It was an era. And like, look, look at that. Bonds, Clemens, like those guys are just too... Do good. Manny Ramirez, he did all the roids, didn't he? Um, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, 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 no shade no. on Manny. I just did no, that no, no. he's a red You know what? When, when, when you Yankee fans talk about Manny, I can take that. It's the po- big poppy talk that, that hurts me because I don't believe it was ever completely fully – like Manny, I think, tested and he got nailed. You know right. what I mean? When yeah. he was with Tampa, right? I think there are a couple, the there are a couple like, like big poppy, man. Like I, I, like I'm a baseball fan, right? I, yeah. I hate right. the Red Sox, but the guy crushed us. He's, he's awesome. I can't yeah. like, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, I love big poppy. I, I can't, and, I got and, bad respect for him. And yeah. to be fair, I'm the same exact way. Roxy knows this. I always say I'm a baseball fan first, then a Red Sox fan. I live in New York. It's terrible. It's the worst, <laughs> not just on when I play softball with you. It's terrible everywhere. Just yesterday I had my Red Sox hoodie on. Roxy, you know the guy that sits on the street, uh, I think it's on 57th, and just always asks for, you know, money. He goes, one penny, one penny, that's all I need. Yep. So I'm walking by him yesterday, and he goes, can you help me, please? I need one penny. Just one penny. He goes, are you wearing a Red Sox? What the hell are you wearing that for? Forget, I don't even want your one penny. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) So I was like, oh, my gosh. All right, so I get... A lot of crap here in New York for wearing my Red Sox apparel. Rightfully so. And, okay. But being a baseball fan, I I don't think you were at this game, Rod. I don't believe you were. But I was there for Jeter's 3,000th. I wasn't going to miss it. I had tickets right. that entire weekend. They were playing Tampa Bay. I had tickets for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was one of the greatest moments of my life. You know, I got I mean? tickets so, for I got tickets for Poppy's last game in Yankee Stadium. I wanted oh, to see him. I wanted oh, to see him one last nice. time. You we know were there. Yeah. We yeah, were there, there at that. that. How do we not know that? you look familiar. Shut up. I I mean, how do we not know that? No, I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so my point is, obviously, diehard Red Sox fan, but baseball fan first. I tried to go to all the funny. There was one day where the, the Yankees had a random Wednesday day game. And for some reason, my show was canceled because we normally have a Wednesday matinee. 
And I was thinking, great, what am I going to do today? You know, there's nothing going on. I don't play softball on Wednesdays because I normally have a show. And the Yankees had a game and I'm like, oh, I should go. I didn't end up going. I felt like such an idiot because later that night I discovered that Aaron Judge that day had broke the rookie home run hitting record that game. Right. And I didn't take that opportunity. I really should have. But yeah, Aaron Judge is going to break a lot more records for you to go watch. So, yeah. oh, OK, that's great. That's, that's yeah. Fantastic. You can go watch and break the World Series home run record. Oh, all right. Yeah, we'll see. Let's let's get back. Let's get back to the, uh, <laughs> the Hall of Fame ballot here. So. So. All right. We get Andy Pettit. As some of my friends call him, Andy Petit. I get that. He's a good pitcher, but he was a admitted steroid user. Yep. So to some people, that's going to be an issue. And it is. If, I, like I said, I mean, I think I think nobody should be held back on okay. this ballot because of steroids. For me, like, put him in. You want to put an asterisk? Fine. Like, as an era. But, like, I don't think Pettit steroid use. I mean, what he used was HGH to help him get over an injury, right, to get him heal faster. I can understand that that's wrong and the competitiveness of it. But it, did, it, did it change how well he threw or how no i don't think so right so. no i'm kind of with you on that i we've talked umpteen times about like you said you still have to hit the fastball yep you know you right, still exactly. have to hit the 100 mile an hour fastball yep and that's not the easiest thing to do they still need the talent to do it yes it gives them a little competitive edge but like you said we'll just put put an asterisk on the plat. i think mr yeah. tony says that all the time just put it Put an asher or even give them their own wing. Yes. Some of like some steroids might have turned a few of Barry Bonds fly balls into home runs. Right. But yeah. the guy crushed the ball. Like right. it, there's no it's just not. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't buy the whole argument. I'll just put him in. Put him in. Put him in their right. own wing. Put him with an asterisk. Put him in. Put Tory Hunter in because he hated Boston. <laughs> that's perfect. So the, so it's just Andy Pettit and Tory Hunter. Got it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Take, like, Kurt, well, no. take Kurt Schilling off the ballot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get away from the baseball talk. We're in football season anyway, and you're just going to keep ripping on our Red Sox, which is fair, totally fair. Oh, Roxy, okay. I, you... can rip on, I can rip on some of your football teams, too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. So, Rod, being a Giants fan, what I call I'm sorry, him... you, said that, you said that wrong. You meant first place Giants fan. Oh! <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> All right, now, easy killer, because most of our loyal listeners come from the D.C. area. Oh, uh-oh. followers of the Tony Kornheiser podcast, which is based out of the DC So you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Shred lightly. They had two days of bliss where they were in first place. I and know. now I to mean, a nasty very, little thing called a tiebreaker. They're very yeah. good at beating teams that aren't from New York. Yeah. <laughs> you mean New Jersey? You mean New Jersey? Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Now, ironically, sadly, but you did lose your quarterback this week. So that was a huge well, hit. What's going yeah, on? We'll see that? what happens. He's having an MRI today. We'll see what happens. I haven't seen the latest news on that, but uh, okay. not great. He, I think he may miss a little time, but, you know, there's always Colt McCoy. Well, yeah, hopefully Danny Dimes will get back soon. But you, you at least have someone somewhat capable, I would think. We'll have to wait and see on that. So I get you're a Giants fan, but what about the Jets? Now, do you are you? Do you have to root for them as well, or is it one or the other? What's your take on that? What? No, you can't root for both. <laughs> what? Well, I don't know. I'm not from New Jersey, Rod. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know I, how I mean, this works. I'm not from there originally either, but I live in New York, and you root for the New York teams. But you got to, like, look, I, used, well, to then, bar- okay, I well, used to bartend with a bunch of Irish guys, okay? And when they came over from Ireland, all of them, they either picked the Jets or the Giants. They didn't pick both. You pick one okay. team that you go with, usually the Jets, but... Um, okay, but, yeah, but Rod, I, you've heard the saying "words matter," right? Yes. Okay. Well, you did just say that you know I'm from New York, so you root for the New York teams. But the only New York team you have is Buffalo. So what's up with that? I don't understand. Okay, like, but yeah, I mean, obviously there are <laughs> logistical issues of having stadiums within <laughs> New York City limits. Okay. Yeah, I understand. I'm just busted. <laughs> Bills on. are good, though. By the way, Bills are good. They are. They're actually they having a good time. I got a, a buddy from Buffalo, and I kind of wow well, root for them when, like, like if the Yankees were not in the World Series and the Mets were, I'd be rooting my ass off for the Mets because it's oh, New okay, York. It's New York it. City, mm-hmm. you know. But for well, some because, reason, I just I just can't do that with the Jets. Well, it's funny that you say that. Oh, that's that's actually horrible. But it's funny that you say that because I know a lot of people that can't they're like i will never root for the mets i'm a yankees yeah. fan i will not see i'm like i'm with you on that i don't understand why you wouldn't. i think part of that came from just the fact that i was in new york on september 11th you know i lived through that moment in that era of the city and i just felt like it was on me to support my city and my teams we needed that so much after that 
And whether right. it was the Mets, the Giants, Jets, or the Yankees, like we just we rooted for whoever the New York team was. And I, right. I still feel that. Like I'm rooting for the Yankees all the way. But if the Mets are in the World Series against anybody but the Yankees, I'm rooting for the Mets. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Good for you. Yeah. So maybe maybe there is a, a nice person inside him after all, Roxy. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Roxy, did you have any quick questions for Rod? Yeah, I have one, I guess, but obviously we're in some crazy times right now due to COVID and all of that. And life has changed for everyone so drastically. But during this time, has there been any new hobby or activity that you've discovered or picked up that you enjoy doing? Yeah, uh, drinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, I uh, started drinking a lot more, like a lot more. No, no. I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. No, uh, um, I actually, it's not a new hobby, but it's kind of rekindled an old one just because, the, you know, the acting world pretty much stopped. But uh, I had grown up playing in guitar and playing in bands, and I hadn't played as much. Oh, so nice. I started writing a ton of music again, which was wow. great. So I spent like, I literally wrote like, I think something like 40 or 50 songs over the course of like four or five months up here in Vermont, which is really fun. So yeah. That stuff. Wow. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. So I think uh, we've come on to something here, Roxy. I think maybe this final segment, we can start maybe doing a meet the tiny segment. Oh, that would be fun. Because Rod, that's what we're calling the people that are not the loyal littles of the Tony Kornheiser podcast. But I think Rod, within a couple listens, you're going to become a loyal little. And I oh, think that's-, that's what we've done today is bridge the gap for you. I was floored when you came on and you were like, oh, I love Tony Kornheiser. What, what's this about? And I was like, what do you mean, what is this about? Well, I spent most of high school trying to go from tiny to little, so. Uh, <laughs> oh. It's good. Family show. Uh oh, sorry. Show. Oops. <laughs> I think we should end this podcast because we're going to get shut down. We do have an E next to our podcast, so we can have explicit things. Yes, we do. We have an adult. Technically. So. I wish you told it. me that sooner. Oh. <laughs> oh boy anyway thank you rod hill for coming on today <laughs> thank you all our loyal listeners for listening to this loyal littles podcast roxy tell them how they can get in touch with us you can email us at wtfcpodnet at gmail.com and remember to put loyal littles in the subject And also, we can be heard on all listening platforms, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, iTunes. And remember, if you do listen on iTunes, to rate, review, and... Subscribe. So, and as always, remember, if you're out online shopping tonight... Use the codes. Take care, everyone. Like, I... I, 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 Yeah, I hate the Red Sox. Christmas carols, people hurry.
podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. Oh, yeah.